almost need to do uh, something before the announcements. Uh, good morning, um, everyone who's here. Uh, and I'm gonna like, yeah. Anyway, uh, good morning to you. What a uh, what beautiful weather, the spring day. I hope you're ready for exciting things this morning. Um, I know I am. The Holy Spirit is going to be working through the scripture, through the music, and uh, hopefully doing a little, little blooming in your heart like all the flowers and things out there are blooming. So I uh, just wanted to start off with a few announcements. First of all, uh, next Sunday, uh, immediately following the second service, yes, uh, there's going to be the, a business meeting, yes, noonish-ish, and then directly after is going to be a pastor's forum after the business meeting, and that, that is basically just show up, and, and you'll get, uh, after the business meeting, the pastor's forum, and you'll get some really valuable information, uh, those kind of things. And um, let's see, also, 6.30 p.m. next Sunday is a special prayer service for the revival. And speaking of which, the we usually have a, a, time, a prayer service on Monday nights, uh, in lieu of that, we're not having the one this Monday night. Uh, the prayer box, please please still submit, put your prayers out to be prayed about, and that's all going to happen next Sunday uh, in lieu of this Monday night. Uh, just to FYI for any deacons out there, they're still having the 7 o'clock deacons meeting on uh, tomorrow night. Also, let's see, uh, Revival. May 6th, it's in two weeks. Unity service, it's at 10.30 a.m. Um, and what was the Wednesday 9? I'm trying to read some notes that might, anyway. Oh, sorry. <laughs> May 6th to Wednesday the 9th. Oh, two, yeah, May 6th, thank you. Thank you for the translation. May 6th to Wednesday the 9th. Ninth, all the way to the 6.30 p.m. are the services. They're not having one that Sunday night, correct? They're not having one next Sunday. That Sunday, they're having it Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. So, anyway, uh, a lot of exciting things coming your way. And I want to read a scripture to you, get you in the worship mood, if you're not already. Um, it says in Psalm 105, Give thanks to the Lord, call on His name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. And with that, would you please stand and we will do what the scripture says this morning and sing to his holy name. Sing, 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 and make music with the heavens. We will sing, 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 yeah. grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise. Lift high the name of Jesus. What's not to love about you? adore you kings and kingdoms bow down son of god you are the one you are the one you are the love that frees us you are the light that leads us like a fire burning Son of God, you are the one, you are the one, we're living for, sing, 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 and make music with the heavens, we will sing, 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 grateful that you hear us. When we shout your praise, lift high the name of Jesus. What's not to love about you? 
so much for your blessings, for springtime, for new life, for the light that you shine on us in our lives. Lord, we pray for a special touch today from your Holy Spirit, from your word that gives us that life. That's, your, that's our source. Father, we just want to sing your praises today. We want to give our hearts to you. We want to, to put all else aside and focus on the greatness and the glory of who you are in our lives because that's the foundation of our lives is who you are. So, Lord, with thankful hearts and raised, uh, raised spirits looking for something for you, we are thankful, we are humble, and we come into your presence this morning excited about what you have and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save, forever author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave, Mighty to save, He is mine. 
Let it shine. Shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the Shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen
you. How we look to you for sustenance for all things. And we, again, come thank with thankful hearts that we have something to give to be a part of your plan. Because you've made us in need of a purpose and you supply that purpose. So, Lord, we thank you for the tithes and offerings that we are able to give to you. And we pray that you would glorify your name around the world, in our community, in the hearts of people, that, that your, your word and through scripture and, and song and missionaries and just all the things that you are doing in the world to reach people. And we're thankfully, especially for, for how and why you brought us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Who knows today that there's power in the name of Jesus? Amen. you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of James, chapter 1. Book of James, 
chapter 1. This morning we're continuing our series talking about a vibrant faith. And today we're going to be talking about if you want to have a vibrant, a growing faith, it has to be a faith that's genuine. We talked about how last week faith is something that is widely embraced, widely talked about these days. Uh, most of the time when they talk about faith, they try to put it in contrast to religion, say, oh, you know, we, we don't want religion, but we all like faith, and it doesn't really matter what you have faith in. As long as you're sincere, then that's really all that matters. And I'm here to tell you to this morning that that is one of the greatest lies of Satan and one of the most dangerous. I just read an article from Newsweek talking about one, a, a massive problem in impoverished countries of people peddling fake medicine. There's been over 100 studies that they've done that they consulted uh, that indicated that in some of these third world countries, one in 10 medications are fake. A lot of these medications are being used to treat malaria, bacterial infections, and they estimate that between 72,000 and 169,000 children die every single year from taking these medications that are not real. Faith is a medicine for the worst problem you will ever experience in your life. And all the difference between being cured and having your soul be in eternal separation from God rests in whether or not your faith is put in the right place. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about a faith that is genuine. How do we know that our faith is real? How do we know that it is put in the right place? Well, James talks about that in verse 22 through 27 of chapter 1, and I would encourage you to stand with me as we read together. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after the orphan and widow in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning and Lord, I pray that as we seek out your scripture to hear a message from you, that you would help us to gaze into the mirror that it shows us of ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see our life and our faith for what it really is. I pray that what we would see is a, is a genuine faith and trust in you as our Lord and Savior. But ultimately, Lord, what we need to see is what's really there. And so, God, I pray that you would take the blinders off of our eyes to help us to see you, to see your truth, and how we can live it out every day. Lord, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So here, James gives us three marks of a true faith, things that if uh, we, we look at them, we, we should be able to tell the difference between the, the fake and the genuine article. And, and many times, you know, this is directed uh, not externally, but at for us individually, because what we see in Scripture is, is that there are many, many, many who believe that they have a sincere, genuine, saving faith who, in fact, do not. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus describes this picture to us in one of the scariest scenes in all of the Bible where many are standing before God in judgment and some are on the left and some are on the right. And and those who are on the left go and say, God, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we go to church? Didn't we do all of these good things? And God looks at them and says, depart from me. I never knew you. And so what Jesus is telling us is that that there will be many who believe that they have saving faith who, in reality, have a counterfeit, something that is not really real. And so the first thing that James teaches us is that a true faith, a genuine, sincere faith, is a lived faith. It is a lived faith. Let me show you this clip. He's gone. He's gone. He'll be okay. No, no, they took him away. I, I have to find the boat. A boat? Hey, I've seen a boat. Yeah. Uh-huh, and it passed by not too long ago. A white one? Hi, I'm Dory. Where? Which way? Oh, oh, oh. It, it went, um, this way. Yeah, it went this way. Follow me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. joke it's not funny and i know funny i'm a clownfish no it's not i know it's not but i'm i'm so sorry see i I suffer from short-term memory loss short-term memory loss i don't believe this no it's true i forget things almost instantly it runs in my family well i mean at least i think it does um hmm where are they can i help you You're wasting my time. I have to find my son. This is exactly the picture that James gives us of a Christian who hears God's word, reads the scripture, comes to church, hears a sermon, and yet walks out the door and continues to live the way that they used to live. Go back and look at the text with me. It, it, it is not James here describing a Dory syndrome for Christians, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Our Christianity, our faith, is not just about what we believe. It's not about what we hear. As a matter of fact, in other parts of the scripture, it says, you believe in God? Congratulations! Even the demons believe. It's not just about having a, a, a list of this is what I believe and this is what I don't believe and I call myself a Christian and at some point in my life I repeated some words after a pastor or some words that I read in a track. It's so much more than just identifying yourself with a certain set of beliefs that being a Christian is about a changed life. 
And that ultimately, if your faith is not something that you're living day in and day out, then it's just words. It's just something in your head. It's not really real. That faith is, of course, it comes with belief because you don't live something that you don't believe, but belief is only the first part of it. It's like a coin. Faith has belief and it has actions. And if you don't have both, then it's just not real. And I think for too long, the church has been plagued by the Dory disease, where we walk into the church doors, we think we can sit down in the pew, hear a good sermon, walk out the door, and what we do here has nothing to do with the rest of our life. And ultimately, what we do here on Sunday morning is supposed to be a springboard into and a celebration of what we do every day of the week. That Christianity is not a Sunday morning faith. It's something that transforms you. It's something that grips you. It's something that when you see the image of yourself and the mirror of Scripture and the mirror of the Holy Spirit in your life, it continues to transform you into Christ's image. It has to be something that we live. A true faith is a lived faith. Second thing we see is that a true faith is a blessed faith. Go back and look with me in verse 25. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. When I was growing up, there was a big event that I always went to called the Great Day of Soccer. And I can remember when I was four years old, I went to the local high school football stadium, and it was filled with hundreds of children who had come to show off their soccer skills, everything from how far you can throw to how far you can kick to how many times you could juggle and shooting on the goal, and it had all of these different skills. And for each one of them, you were graded at a certain point level, and if you got the highest total, they would have this award ceremony where you would get ribbons and trophies uh, if you were placed in the top 10 of your age group. And I remember growing up, it's something that I always look forward to every year. It's something that when it was starting to come time to come around, I would go into my backyard and I would start practicing my juggles. And you know, that was one of the things that I always struggled with. I could never get more than 10 or 20. Of course, the cap was like 100 that you could score for. And I remember there were several years where I got really close, so very close to winning. I was in the top 10, but I, I never won, and it was always a goal of mine to win the great day of soccer. And so every year I would go out, and I would be in my backyard, and I would try to do better. And I remember it came down to the very last year. Now, over the course of time, the popularity of the great day of soccer started to dwindle a little bit. I mean, you started off with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of kids. Uh, but over the years, especially once you got a little older and, and some of the older kids were playing in high school and things like that, they weren't coming as much. But I remember I had one last year, and, and I, so I decided to really put all my effort into it, and I, and I practiced really hard for, for months. And I show up, and I just felt like everything clicked for the first time. Because before, it would always, I would I'd have a great dribbling, but then I would miss up on the juggling. Or I'd have great juggling, and I'd miss up on the shooting part. And, and so I went through, and man, I was hitting the top left corners of the shots. I juggled more than I'd ever juggled in my life. I went through all the cones without knocking any of them down. I felt if I ever had a shot to win, this was it, and it was my last one. And what do you know, I got the phone call that I made the top 10. And I was all excited about going to the awards ceremony. And then I found out that it was at the exact same time as the Disciple Now weekend at my church. And I just decided, you know what, 
I'm going to go to the church event. I'll find out one way or the other if I want it. And what do you know? Someone came back to me and said, congratulations, Richard. Here is your trophy. You won first place. And I, wow, I was just like, this is amazing. And then they added the tagline, by the way, you are the only one in your age category to enter. (laughs) (laughs) Persistence brings blessing. Now, sometimes it's not quite what you think it might be. But what James is telling us is, is that not that if you are faithful to the Lord that you're going to be the wealthiest person on the planet, not that you're never going to get sick, not that everything in life is going to be rosy for you, but what we can see in Scripture is that if you want to reap blessing, reap the harvest of blessing, then you must sow the seeds of blessing in your life, that you reap what you sow. And if you continue, if you persevere, you will receive the blessings of God. I think many times we sit back and we take a look at our life and, and we wonder, why, do, why is it that I don't seem to be receiving and experiencing the blessings of, of God in my life? And, and my first question that we should all ask ourselves is, are you sowing the seeds of blessing in your life? Because you're not going to reap what you don't sow, and if you don't persevere to the end, it's, it's, it's like planting a harvest of crops. It's, you know, first of all, you got to actually plant the seed, and you have to work it, and you have to harvest it. But at a certain point, if you just plant it and walk away, then you're still not going to receive the blessing until the point of harvest. And so many of us are not faithful, we're we're not persevering, we're not sowing the seeds of blessing in our life, and then we're wondering why we're not reaping blessings, rewards. And ultimately, I think that we should be able to step back and take a look and say, of the many ways that God could be blessing me in my life, does my life look like a life that's being blessed by God? And if not, is it Is it possible that one of the reasons why is because I am not doing my part to prepare the field of my life for God to bless it? A true faith. It's a lived faith. It's a blessed faith. And finally, a true faith is marked by obedience and love. Look with me in verse 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Did you know that in 10 years, you may not be able to afford to buy a glass of orange juice? I've read some studies recently that say that by the time, by 2026, 82% of the Florida orange crop could be destroyed. It all comes from an Asian bug that's spreading and killing trees. What it does is that the bacterium blocks the passages of the nutrients through the tree's vascular system. The disease typically spreads throughout the tree over a year, causing the oranges to drop prematurely and for them to have a salty and bitter taste. Once this tree gets the disease, there is no known cure, even though it may take a, a few years for it to show its effects. Already, the greening has caused a $7.8 billion loss in the orange juice industry. What the scripture is describing here is the fruit of faith. What does it look like? 
What does genuine, true faith look like? What does it produce? Just like if you walked into an orange grove tree, grove, one of the ways that you would obviously know that is to see all of the oranges hanging on all of the trees. And in the same way, this, the scripture describes that each of us has something that we bear, a fruit of our faith. So what is it? What does it look like? Well, James chapter 1 gives us two things. One, that we obey. The, as it talks about, we keep ourselves unstained from the world, our personal righteousness. What is one of the fruits of our life? The fact that we recognize that when we make Jesus our Savior, we have made him our Lord. That means he is the boss. That means whatever he says goes. It means that if his word says it, that means we have to do it because he is Lord. And if we acknowledge him as Lord, then one of the byproducts of that, that is just a natural occurrence, is obedience. And further, it says that if you say that I am your Lord, yet you do not obey my commandments, you are a liar, and the truth is not in you. That one of the necessary components to faith is obedience and repentance. And secondly, what does it say? Love. Now, what is true and undefiled religion before God? To look after orphans and widows in their distress. To see people at their point of need. To love them as God loves them. Because when we are transformed into the image and the heart of Christ, we see people the way that God sees people. We love people the way that God loves people. And we cannot help but not only to feel compassion in our heart, but to respond with compassion in our lives. And if you want to know what an orange tree is, look at its fruit. If you want to know if something is an apple tree, look at its fruit. If you want to know if a Christian is a Christian, you look at their fruit, and that is, are they obedient to God, and do they love people? Jesus emphasized this, and he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. How will the world know that you are my disciples? By your love for one another. Now, when we look at the fruit of our life, some of us may come to the conclusion that our fruit looks more like apples than it does oranges. And if that is the case, you should be very scared. It, that should be an alarm bell going off in your head as when we look to the Scripture, as Paul lines out these lists and said, well, the fruit of the world looks like this, and the fruit of the Spirit looks like this, and if your life looks more like the fruit of the world than it does the fruit of the Spirit, that should bother you. Because I've never met someone who has come face to face with God and Him not transform them. Some of us, it's not that we're bearing the wrong fruit, it's that our fruit's just kind of sickly, like those oranges that are yellowing and falling off prematurely. It's, it's, it's not that we're not saved, it's just that the fruit of our life isn't very good to eat or look at. And when we look at the mirror of our life and what others see and what God sees, we see that we still need a lot of work, that we need that healing power of God to come into our life, to transform us, to heal us, to protect us. In Florida, they're actually setting up screens around fields of oranges 
to protect the trees from the bacteria coming in. Perhaps some of us need a a little bit of a Holy Spirit screening around our life. They're going in and they're doing all this research to try to purge out the disease. The mandarin oranges, by the way, have been a lifesaver because somehow they just seem to be immune. But ultimately, all of us should be able to step back, take a look at our life, and say, what kind of fruit am I bearing? Is this the fruit of a genuine faith? Or does this not look like what it's supposed to look like at all? Ultimately, the big idea is this, that a vibrant and genuine faith is one that requires action. It's not just something that we say, it's something that we do. And living out our faith is so much more than just showing up to church on a Sunday morning. It's something that is in our mind, that comes out of our mouth, that is manifest in our actions, our lifestyle, how we live, how we respond to others every single day of our life. So you may be here this morning and you're taking a look at that mirror real hard. And perhaps you don't really like what you see. Perhaps you look at some of your lifestyle choices, your personal righteousness, and you realize that there's some parts of your life that aren't really matching up to what God has called us to do and how he's called us to live. Perhaps if you we're really honest with yourself, you'd say, you know what, my, my life isn't really marked by a love for other people. It's really more centered around myself and my own desires and my own needs. And perhaps the reason for that is that all of this time you've thought that you were saved and, and if you were really honest, you would say that it it was words that I said, but it's not something that really made a a deep change and impact in my life. It wasn't a real commitment. It was just a desire to get a free ticket to heaven. And if that's the case this morning, I want you to know that God is calling out to you. That what he wants from you is, is not some token lip service or an hour out of your schedule each week. But what he wants is a real relationship with you in your life. But that starts with honesty. It starts with a commitment that you're willing to stop going your own way in life and and start walking with him and going in the direction that's going to lead you, lead you to, to God and to heaven. Perhaps you're here this morning and you recognize that while you are bearing the fruit of a genuine faith, there's some parts of your, your fruit that just are, are kind of sickly looking. It's a yellow orange that's fallen off and tastes a little bit bitter to those around you who take a bite and... You need a a work of healing and restoration that really only the Holy Spirit can give. Because the truth is, is that the the solution to the problem of a, a sincere faith, that's not something that we can fix. It's something that we allow God to fix in us. And so if if there's some parts of your Christian walk in which you're struggling. Don't think that you have to try to fix yourself and then come to God, that God wants you to come to him just as you are. Recognizing that 
all of us have fallen, that none of us are perfect, but we can come to the one who is perfect and the one who can make us right. Ultimately, if there's one thing I want you to take away from today, it's just that the reason why we gather here each week, it's, it's not just because we believe some things or we think that saying some words or going through religious rituals is somehow going to get us to heaven, but that it's about a relationship with God, a faith that's really real, a faith that should impact every part of who we are every single day. And so this morning, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, don't walk out the door, hear the message, and immediately forget what kind of person you're supposed to be. Come to Christ and let him transform your life. Let's stand as we sing together.
that I failed to give, um, and that is childcare needs for the revival. Um, one of the very, very important things is that we, uh, for the revival, is for people to be there, and we need childcare providers for, uh, it's only two nights, Monday night and Tuesday night, we need childcare providers for the nursery so that people can, can come and participate. So if you uh, can do that, then please see Jennifer, and she will get you set up uh, with that very important need. So um, thank you so much. And you are, uh, as you can see, getting ready for a wonderful, uh, wonderful treat to end our service with. Wonderful job, PBJs, wonderful job. And uh, with that, please join us for Sunday school. And if you see one of these guys, tell them good job. Celebrate.